Hey, my name is Lucas, and I want to welcome you to the official podcast of Coastline Young Adults from Coastline Church in Victoria. This podcast is dedicated to encouraging you in your faith and helping you apply it to real life in real time. Here you'll find messages from our weekly service at Coastline Nights and other conversations where we talk and tackle what it means to be a follower of Jesus in today's culture. Everything you find here will point you to the truth and hope of Jesus. So grab a beverage, enjoy the message, and lean into how God wants to speak to you today. It has been a little while, and I'm really excited to be here tonight, so welcome to church. Thanks so much, Bram. Um, If it's your first time, I want to welcome you here. My name is Lucas. I'm one of the pastors on staff, and it is our joy to serve you tonight to be a part of this community. Thanks, Brendan. Mature skin, you're the best. Give it up for Bren. I feel really encouraged tonight so far by our team. Thanks, Rochelle, for leading us tonight. Really, I mean that. When you were singing that last part, you're not done with me yet. I just felt like that was even for you. Uh, I, don't, I think she's over there. I'm just staring over that area. Rochelle, you're an incredible worship leader. We as a church are blessed to have you. And I know we often look at the guy with the guitar, but you led us so well tonight. God's not done with you yet. You have so much still to give and sing. I'm so grateful for her and how she listens to the Lord. Can we give it up for Rochelle? Really beautiful tonight. For three weeks, we've been celebrating. On the 22nd, it was our 100th birthday, which was fun as a church to do that all day long. And me and Andy are up here. We had a conversation. And then last week was, like Brent said, we had conference, and Pastor Jonathan Lambert preached a great message. I hope you heard it. I think all of that now is on the website, or all of that is somewhere where you can find it, hopefully. And then this week is Heart for the House, and we kind of are finishing the birthday month, if you will, that's, I think that's our fault as millennials. I think we created the birthday month and then the church inherited it. So there we go. But we've had all these moments of celebration where we have honored the past, where we have embraced the present, and we now want to build the future. And so Heart for the House is about that theme. I want to be fully transparent with you tonight. Tonight we are talking about money and generosity. Absolutely, that's on the table. I'm going to say that now so you don't think I'm trying to trick you as the message goes on. That's the, that's the conversation tonight. Secondly, if you're new, new to faith, new to the church, new to Christianity, just new-ish in general, um, maybe you're attending tonight just because you were serving elsewhere this morning and you just need some refreshment, I don't want you to feel any pressure or obligation whatsoever tonight with this message. We're grateful for you, that you're here. I hope you feel blessed and encouraged. Do not feel any pressure from this, okay? I promise you, I really mean that. If you are a part of this church and you attend regularly, you're a member, you serve here, this is your house. This one's for you, okay? It's family time. We're having that conversation. But I I do believe, no matter your background or where you're from or how long you've been attending church or this church, there's principles tonight for you that will encourage you, okay? That's that's uh, That's my pitch. Let's get into it. What comes to mind for you when you think of legacy? What you're leaving behind, what you're giving to someone. Honestly, like, when you think of legacy, what comes to mind? You can say it all. No, I'm just kidding. I don't want to hear it all. But I do want you to think about it. I do want you to think about it. Is it something a grandma left you? Because that's where my mind went. It's true. Is it something just, is it some, you know, incredible person in history and the powerful legacy that they left? What comes to your heart what comes to mind when you hear the word legacy. Because if we're being honest, as a church, and specifically this congregation, this 6 p.m. service, which two weeks ago I asked anyone under 30 to come to the front, and it was quite literally 90% of the room, 
For us, legacy is not something we think about until it's something we have to think about. Legacy isn't something we are constantly churning and building and creating and cultivating until that day comes where we feel like, well, what am I leaving? What am I leaving behind? And whom am I leaving it to? I think, honestly, when I was just, I was just contemplating legacy and what we're building and how we, we're both inheriting a beautiful legacy that has gone before us, we're also stewarding that legacy, cultivating, creating a new one ourselves and leaving that for the next generation. It's actually a really powerful thing when you think about it. I think that legacy for me has always been this thing that like great people leave behind. But the truth is, no matter who you are, no matter like your history, family history, you are leaving something behind. It's similar to the question of like, not like how do you worship or when do you worship, but the fact of the matter is we all worship something. We just don't know who it is sometimes. We're all leaving a, a legacy of some sort. Legacy is being left by you and by me in this church, and that matters. I think of my grandparents. I have one grandma who I love dearly, and she loved us well. And I would come into her, like when I'd sleep over her house, I'd come into her, and she'd be on her knees. She'd gotten up before us, and she was praying for us. Like, just a beautiful a legacy of kindness, a legacy of prayer, a legacy of faith. I have another grandparent who I consider someone who I, honestly, although I sympathize with their situation, they were left a legacy of trauma. And so the, the legacy they left, my father was also a legacy of hurt and pain and horror and trauma. At the end of the day, we are dealt a hand and we are doing our very best to leave a legacy that is full of dream and life and future. And so I know that it can come in characteristics. Yes, that can happen in money. That happens in many ways, how we serve our treasure, our talent, our time. And today, as we talk more about the legacy, when it comes of money and offering and giving and generosity, it's because although legacy is bigger than that, absolutely, we can't deny that our money can go places we cannot go. Where we give and how we give outlasts us. The truth is our generosity builds things that stand the test of time longer than we will. I was thinking about it this morning. I usually sit right in this area on these front, front pews and I was like, these pews are someone's legacy. Someone was like, you know what we need? Orange pews. No, purple wooden pews. That's what we need. In fact, we used to have orange pews and they were so out of date, they replaced them with this, these beauties. That's what happened. They were like, we need to update these puppies. Fresh carpet, wooden outline, it's good. The ones at Nanus Bay, those are our old pews. The churches, those orange ones that are literally just falling down in the middle of worship. That's right, that's our legacy right there. Um, but the truth is someone really believed and dreamed and thought, imagine this room full of pews and full of people worshiping God. You're sitting on a legacy right now. Someone's real legacy. Together, unified, we can sow into something so much bigger than we could do alone. So the truth is, another truth is, the question I should say is tonight, why is giving and generosity just feels taboo? It feels like, really? How many times are we going to talk about this? Don't we talk about this all the time? The answer is no. Very rarely. Last time I talked about giving was last year's Heart for the House. So relax. It's like once every, it's one out of 52, Okay. I'm doing this a lot, as if it's going to help my point. I mean it, like, why is giving such a challenge? It is challenging. I feel it is, even in my own life. First and foremost, I think giving is challenging, 
Even when we use words like legacy and things that'll last us, how can we build a legacy through our church that will last us? Even that question, when it's like, yeah, I want, I want to give to something bigger. I want to be generous. Yet still, being generous feels like a pinch. It feels hard. It feels challenging. Why? First and foremost, I think our view of ourselves stops us from giving willingly. Moses called the Israelites to give. It says this in Exodus 35. Moses said to the whole Israelite community, this is what the Lord has commanded. From what you have, take an offering for the Lord. Everyone who is willing. That word's gonna come up again in our sermon. Is to bring, a Lord, excuse me, to bring the Lord an offering of gold, silver, and bronze. And everyone who is willing and whose heart moved them came and brought an offering to the Lord for the work of the tent of meeting. What's happening here? The Israelites were formerly slaves of Egypt. They've now been removed. God has given them their freedom. They're wandering in the desert. They're previously slaves. They're homeless. They're looking for, they're looking for a place to meet with the Lord. They're looking for a place to call home, a house, something to build. And so the Lord says, listen, all that treasure I gave you as you left, I want you to give some of it back so we can build a place that we can all call home and important and, 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 and it's gonna give us a sense of community, a sense of life. And in fact, they give so much that later, I'm just gonna paraphrase, paraphrase, we won't jump into all the verses. Moses actually goes to them and says, listen, you've given so much, stop it. It's too much, it's too much giving. Stop the giving. That's never been said here in a sermon. I promise you that. That landed better in the mornings for Andy. <laughs> you guys just know it's true, that's why. No, but like, that's what happens. This like incredible, more than able, like measure, but more giving happens. And they have to say, no, 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 hold on there. I think the Israelites had this idea because they had just been given their freedom by God. They were under this yoke of slavery. They'd been given this treasure, this sea that opened up and they walked right through it. That they recognized that everything they had in that moment was from the Lord. It wasn't like, they woke up and they're like, literally like yesterday, I was in slavery. Today, I walk free. When was the last time you woke up out of bed and you're like, thank you, Lord, for this air I breathe? I'm joking because I've literally never done that in my life ever. I just haven't. It's, you know when, don't you feel like, I wish some days would be like a musical. You'd wake up and you're just like, da-da-da-da, and like songs singing and everyone's in harmony and it's like, I like musicals, they're good. But that, that doesn't happen. That's not, like, that's not how we view ourselves. Everything feels like we have to control it all and we're stressed about money and we're constantly worried about it. And we're, this is what happens. We think, well, I've made this and so it's my decision. It's not something I should give to God. I have talked a lot about this. This has been a theme in our preaching in the last few years at the 6 p.m. service. This idea that we like to compartmentalize our faith and give God things that we want to give him but things like relationship advice, anytime we talk about money, that's something we want to control. So I want to encourage you tonight to be a, someone who is willing to listen to God and give as he asks you to give. To not hold it so close and control everything. I think for, for many of us, it would just be helpful to know we're not owners of it all. We're just stewards of this beautiful life God has blessed us with. I know it sounds like it should be on a Hallmark card, right? Or like a bumper sticker or something. But it's really true that everything we've been given, this is a gift from the Lord. And we're just stewards of it. Man, I even think of that with my children. Like right now, LJ, the, he learned the word mine. It's really cute, but it's like, literally, LJ, literally nothing in this house is yours. <laughs> literally, you have done nothing to help this family. You're cute. 
And you'd be like, mine, no, mine. And he does, no, no, no. I'm like, yes, 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 it's dad's. That's not yours. Give me the remote now. I cannot watch stinking whatever Coco Melon again. I just want to watch football. I haven't seen a football game in weeks. <laughs> Seriously. It's like, nothing is yours, buddy. I love you, but nothing is, I, this, you can hold on to this. You can steward this. Many of you know Grace. She worked on our staff for a while. She totally abandoned us and went to like, I don't know, Prague or something. Who cares? I know she's in London. It's a joke. Leave me alone. We text off. It's fine. We're friends. She actually, when she left, she decided to give us, uh, lend us her car for a little while. So me and Trina, because we, we were on the one van life. And so instead of us, you know, sometimes having to go here or bus there, we now have a second vehicle once in a while to use. That is not my vehicle. I do not let my kids in that vehicle. Like if you went into my van right now, you could make at least a happy meal and a half just off of what's on the ground. You could. You could feed like a first grade class in goldfishies in my van. It's embarrassing. Often I'm, we'll be driving up to PCS the other day. I even saw Eden and, and, and Mia Moore, like Pastor Andy's kids. And I was like, oh, we should give them a ride. And I looked back and went, nope. And I just kept driving. Didn't even acknowledge them. Actually, I, I think I was like, <laughs> bye. Because <laughs> our car is that gross. Like Bo has recently moved to the back and he's just created a little zone. He's got cars. I found a milk jug back there and it did not smell good. And I think he drank it recently. And I was like, bud, what are you doing? It's just, I got a drink and I got my car. I'm like, milk, it needs to be in the fridge. And so the other day we had to go somewhere and he was like, I'm going with dad in the green car. I'm going in Grace's car. I'm like, you're not coming with me. You will damage this. What if I bring no food? Nope. No cars? Nope. Like, no, like you, Bo, if Bo brings shoes into the car, we're going to mess that thing up. Like that's, that's all it's going to take. I'm trying to take really good care of this thing. I want to leave it in the best shape possible. I want to steward it really, really well. Because it's a gift that's been given. It's not mine. I'm not owning it. And I think if we have that view of money in our life and recognize that all of this has come from him, therefore all of it belongs to him. And he's just asking for a little bit. And especially in this moment, the second reason why I think giving is such a challenge for us is that we just let fear guide our finances often. We're not, we're not moving into our finances with faith and belief that God is going to move or multiply or, or it's always this, I don't, that's scary. In fact, there's another season for the Israelites where Moses goes up to pray and Aaron's in charge and, and the Israelites are just under a lot of fear. They're worried about what's next. Where are they going to get their next meal? All these things. They're stressing out. They're frustrated. They're, they're, they're upset. They're scared. They even start saying like, well, we want to go back to Egypt. At least there we had this or that. So Aaron doesn't really know what to do. So he collects the money. He's uncertain. He's fearful. And he uses it. He brings gold, silver, bronze. He melts it. He builds calves. I actually think the verse says something like, these are your gods, Israel. These are what brought you out of, out of Egypt. And he creates a false idol because he's fearful and not sure what to do with all of this gold, this treasure. And I think for some of us, we don't give to God's house because we are afraid of what's going on. Fear begins to dictate our decisions. Fear becomes um, a guide instead of just a gauge. And so we hear things like interest rates or student loans or grocery prices or cauliflower is $12. It's like, no, it's nuts. I, cauliflower should be free. It's disgusting. It's like, you shouldn't even pay for that. It's not good. I don't care what anyone says. We'll talk about it later. Email me. Um, and I just want to say, I really get that. That is a challenge for sure. I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to 
underwhelm you and be like, it's not that bad. It's, it's raw, I get it. But still, as Christians, we're not called to live in fear. And especially with a resource like money or anything. You wouldn't go into your relationship with fear at the front of your mind. You wouldn't run into a moment of faith or going to a weekend of conference being like, like, no, no, you would let faith move you forward, not fear. I think for some of us, it's that we're fearful of how someone's going to use that money. In other words, we don't always trust the church with it. Can we talk about that for a second? I think it's a real thing. In fact, I have conversations with many of you who feel this way. And it's hard, it's difficult. And can I just say, I understand that maybe there's some hesitation. Maybe you've given to an organization, even a Christian organization, and you haven't always felt certain about exactly where that money has gone. And just as this pastor of this campus and understanding that challenge, if you would get engaged more and more in your church, if you would become a member, you can come to the AGM and see a full budget report. Every dime, every dollar of this church has to be legally recorded and shown to you. The membership, if you're part of the membership, which is different than just showing up, where that money is going and allocated to. You get to vote on the, the, the LT and the board members who decide and steward that wealth. This is what it's, we're actually called to that, to ask those hard questions. Your church isn't scared of those questions. We are a registered charity with the Canadian government. Every dime has to be recorded for. So you want to ask questions, ask those questions. They're there. But I sometimes hear that question, and it's not, in a, not with a heart of curiosity. It's a heart that's fearful. And I would even push back and say, I hear that. Let me answer some of those questions. By the way, do you run every single bit of your charitable and generous giving through that same litmus test? Every single time you donate to whatever it may be, whether it be a government-funded thing, when, when, when we, we did a big push to give to Ukraine with the crisis on the border of Ukraine and Poland and everyone was displaced, did you run to Parliament Hill and say, can I know where every single cent is going? Do you, do you ask, do you, do, you, do you email Bell Let's Talk when, when you give on that day? I'm, I'm honestly, I'm asking the real question. What about someone who's experiencing houselessness? Do you sit down with them and say, where do you plan to spend these $10? No, I don't, because I'm called to be generous. I want to give and believe. And listen, maybe that calls me an optimist and maybe that's the problem, but I, you can ask the hard question, but of your church, know that we want to supply those answers, but I want to encourage you, don't ask the question because you're fearful. If it's a question of curiosity, bring that. We hunger for that at this church, for young people to take that seat of leadership and ask the good, hard questions. But if the question comes out of fear and truthfully out of idolatry, then you would ask the Holy Spirit to check yourself on that. We have a great church. We have an LT with men and women who are prayerful, who you can trust. That is my commitment to you. Do not let money become an idol or something that you are fearful of because you saw one documentary of one church that made it seem like there was scandal this and scandal that when the majority of small local churches in this country play a massive part in the community and in the, in, in the outreach that they have around them. That is the truth, and that is this church. The verse I read to you was about willingness. And I think that's even our first step. Are we even willing to have that conversation with the Lord about our finances in general? I'm not asking you to open up your wallet. That's not, are you willing to let the Lord speak and say, hey, I want to open up this conversation with you about your finances. Paul continues on in the same language. In 2 Corinthians, he's talking to the church there. He says, for if willingness, if the willingness is there, the gift is acceptable according to what one has. Listen, this is important. Not what one doesn't have. 
I want you to know God is not asking you, the church is not asking you to give what you don't have. No one's asking you to take out something, a big loan. To, like that's, not, that's not what anyone's asking of you. In fact, just for a moment, this is total side thought. Even this whole idea of tithe, and that's a, that meaning tenth, that was like a Hebrew, a, a Jewish principle in the Old Testament. Paul kind of switches that. I think it's actually 1 Corinthians 16 where he says, each of you at the end of the week should actually choose with the Lord about a percentage that you have and you're able to give. Or sum of money, I think he says. It's like 1 Corinthians 16, something like that. He's talking about being willing to let the Lord speak to you. This is the New Testament principle of giving, about a percentage that you have that God has given you to give. Thinking about it beforehand, knowing what you have is from the Lord, asking him to speak to you about how you can give, and then being willing and cheerful and generous. Not, okay, I'll go to the info desk. Yeah, I guess it's been... No, no, no. Hey, I can't wait to get to church. I can't wait to give. I can't wait to... Do you understand what I'm saying? The Bible talks about a cheerful giver, not a reluctant one. And I would just ask us all to really consider what is my, what is my level of willingness truly when it comes to money and it comes to the church and it comes to God. Because I think that's where he wants to start this conversation for so many of us. I don't want my money to control me. I want to control through the Lord where my money is and where it's going. I don't want to be someone who is so fearful over every hike. And friends, I've been there. Oh my gosh, the interest rates move this way or that way. I'm stressed. I'm going to Trina like so frustrated. Like I get it. I have, I think you guys have heard me talk about this. I remember growing up as a kid and we'd go and we'd go to pay for groceries and it, it wouldn't go and it wouldn't click and we didn't have the money and we'd drive home and the, feeling ashamed of that. I love my parents who tried so hard and gave us everything we could have asked for. I get it. I've, I've seen those moments. It's caused trauma in my heart. For some reason, money is a stressful thing for me. And this conversation about willingness, this conversation about being generous is less about me coming to you being like, stop being stingy. It's not that. It's will we trust the Lord with everything in our life and know that when we give, we give to a place that wants to see life and victory and spiritual care and freedom to this city, to the marginalized, to the poor, to the needy. That is the heart. That is the goal. And of course, as well, to this building. We need a place we can call home and come to and sow into. I, listen, I love that atrium just as much as anybody else. So grateful for that. Like, those are good places. We host things in that room, and it matters. And so this week... This Sunday is heart for the house. And once a year we do this. God has put a vision in our heart as a church. You've discerned a need. I want you to know that right now we are in a season where we want to reach young families. That is a massive part of our heart. And maybe as a young adult, you're like, why do I care about babies? I'm not there. I don't care. <laughs> one day you will, okay? No. And maybe you, one day you won't. It doesn't matter. But at the end of the day, God wants to reach every person, young and old. Amen? Our heart is to reach young families. If you are a parent or know someone who's a parent, you know that um, when you email a daycare, it's usually like you're on the third waiting list we have. There's no place for your, your kids here. And so it is our heart to build a daycare in this church with Christian teachers and education, all that blends in with Sundays, which is really powerful. That is our heart. And behind this, 
this stage right here, there's like all these classrooms we're building. You can see the big construction outside. There's a brand new playground going on. And just so you know, for the last 10 years, we've been under construction, okay? If you grew up in city youth, you know we did youth ministry in drywall dust. Like that's, that's what happened. Like we've been in construction a long time. It's true, but we've done a lot. We really have. Brand new youth center, brand new kids center, brand new kitchen downstairs, brand new washrooms. Listen, we need washrooms, amen? Oh, you don't want washrooms? Okay, whatever. Go outside. No, don't go outside. That's weird. We have a brand new atrium, a brand new lobby. We have so many things that are beautiful outside. We have a brand new water fountain. I know you got your Nalgene's and Hydro whatever's. You're pumping that thing back. It's, that was not cheap. I'm serious. We have all those things, right? And it's good. But we, went, we really need to finish this daycare. And so here's what it is. I am getting to the more practical side. You hear my heart. You hear what I'm asking you to consider. Would you consider being willing? That's all I'm asking. Secondly, let me just tell you the need right now. Last year's Heart for the House brought in over $250,000, which is incredible. I don't know what that was. It scared me. I don't need it. It's fine. Keep it. It's yours. It's a blessing. <laughs> it's like a paperclip or something. It's a screw. That's interesting. We need a new stand and screws for the stand, okay? Bless you. See? Willingness to give. Amen. <laughs> Prayers answered. That's what happens. Oh, this is a terrible segue. Okay, moving on. <laughs> we had 250K to start this, this phase. I need you to hear this. I think this matters to you. We had 250K when we started doing these renovations. And so, so grateful to the government because we're building a daycare and we're in such a high demand for that, specifically on Vancouver Island in Victoria. They've actually said, we want to give you $1.4 million for this daycare, which is incredible. Part of it, because we are a renovation and not a new build, okay? This is important information. I know it sounds like, what kind of sermon is this? But this matters. We are, the government has given us 30% of the funds to complete the daycare. But they don't give us the rest of the funds until we get the daycare to 90% complete. And our heart is to open a daycare that would minister and love over 100 families in this downtown core, this area, by January. And so with the way the money works, we had 250K, the government gave us about 500. We need another 700K to finish it before the government will give us any other money. That's just a part of, the, that's just the reality that we face. I want you to know that as we have continued to build into this project, this, this really matters to me that you know this. No dollars from whether it be youth ministry or our global partners has been taken away to do this project. All that is done with this project is specific funds allocated to building Project Our Heart for the House. Every other ministry, every, every other global partner has been fully receiving their funds annually. Okay, that's important. We're not taking money from other things just to build a daycare. We're slowly believing that God is going to continue to use us to fundraise for this. And so what happens is we're asking our church, all services, all campuses, all day long, to consider giving to having a heart for the house. Would you consider giving something that is generous? Would you ask Lord, the Lord how he would work on your heart to give so that we can finish this daycare? And here's what's pretty amazing. If we can give to a point where we can reach 700K, which is what we need. By the way, that's a massive number. It's easy to say in the microphone. That's a huge, huge ask. But if we can reach that number, the government will release the rest of the funds. And then really what happens is your 700K, our 700K becomes a seed for the next thing. So really our money kind of multiplies. I know it doesn't, but I'm saying like it goes further than you would even expect. 
the leadership team realized that this 700K was a lot of money. We've, I think our last year's Heart for the House was just about 300K. So the leadership team came together, they prayed. Again, they prayed for months. And then Andy actually wrote a resolution that he'd bring to the membership to borrow money. But this is what's so powerful. The leadership team said, you know what? We don't want to go into more debt. We just believe that our church sees the need, that our church wants to meet the need, that our church has the ability to meet the need, and that God is more than able. And so I want you to know that your leadership team, which includes Pastor Andy collectively, it's about, I think about 10 or 11 men and women, all came together and said, listen, we need to donate big first to show, show that leaders, leaders start this, leaders lead. And so just your LT, which is again about, I think it's 10 or 12 men and women plus Andy, are, are saying, hey, collectively, we are gonna give $41,000 to kickstart this project. I, that's, that's a lot of money. And I know, listen, I know money is tight. I know things are hard. I know many of you are, are like hustling and you have your, your school, but you're also doing skip the dishes. I know many of you are teachers, but you're also tutoring. I know many of you are just finding different ways to make ends meet. I get it. I'm just asking you to do one thing, one thing, to ask the Lord to simply, to simply share with you and teach you to be willing givers and what would it look like for you to give? I'm just asking you to have a conversation with him. I'm not trying to manipulate this moment. Me and Trina have been talking and praying. We wanna ask the Lord, what would it look like for us to give? And sometimes we say things like, give until it hurts a little bit. I, I want you to give to the point where you know you're trusting the Lord. That's it. I want you to feel hurt. I, I don't know about that language, but I do know this. Give in a way that it relies you to trust on Jesus. Because then you're not just releasing funds. You're handing your life over to your Lord and you're letting him be in charge. Josh and Rochelle are gonna come up and they're gonna play a song because I want us to reflect and respond tonight. But just one more story that Andy shared this morning. I didn't have it in my notes, but I, I thought it was too good not to share with you during the Great Depression, which I didn't know. Andy, I really appreciate our pastor because amongst all of this kind of looking back, he's really done a deep dive into the history. From a guy from Arizona, that guy knows this city. That's all I'm gonna say. You didn't know that? He's from Arizona. Did you guys know that? No? Interesting. Or you just don't care and you didn't respond. It doesn't matter. That's why we call him the eagle, because Americans love the, the big bird, you know? It doesn't. You guys are lame. Whatever. He knows the city, and he, he did like a deep dive and recognized that during the Great Depression, the Great Depression actually hit Canadians harder than it hit Americans. And so in 1932, our church was only nine years old. They had very little money. The Great Depression was rampant. They were living off of like bread lines. They would go to, you'd get stamps for like, get, like tiny bit of gas rations. Our pastor at the time, CM Ward, he was living off of $2 a day, less than. And so the board came together at the time because the church, your church, this church was hit with a huge debt of $200. <laughs> it's kind of funny. There's like this massive bill and they like, we aren't paying this. We're not gonna pay this. We're gonna have to give up this place, this city, like this moment, this building. And instead of getting a loan and instead of selling this or that, they came to the church. They came to the church during the Great Depression and they actually gave a letter to every single person as they walked in. And in that letter, it simply stated, here's money we owe, something we did not realize, we cannot pay it, would you be willing? 
Would you be willing? And in fact, they didn't just say, would you be willing? But they actually said, we are going to have a self-denial offering. That's a, that's a big thing. I wonder what they denied themselves of that year at Christmas in December of 1932. I wonder what was on the dinner table for Christmas. I wonder what it looked like for us if we didn't spend $1,000 on gifts this year. I wonder what it looked like for us if we didn't go to Starbucks every morning for coffee, but we made it at home, or maybe your coffee at home is actually more expensive because you have really fancy coffee in the grinder and stuff and you need to go to Starbucks. I don't know. Folgers, try it out. It's not that bad. It's horrible. I, you're right. I'm sorry. Forgive me that. I repent of that. Thank you. I needed that. I'm simply asking you, what would a self-denial offering look like to you? Again, this is for those people who would say, this is my house. This is my home. I want to build into this house. The principle, though, is very, very powerful. And that year, the church covered that debt. You sit in a church that chose to have a self-denial offering. You sit in the legacy of people who said, I will not let my money control me, but the Lord decides where I give and how I give and how generous I can be. You sit in the legacy of families who sold off livestock and, and household goods, who maybe literally fasted Christmas dinner. We sit in that legacy. That's our legacy. And so now we wanna continue to believe for more. And yes, inflation changes things. And yes, $700,000 is a lot of money. But I'm asking you just to reflect and respond and say, Lord, I am willing. And then choose to let him guide you in whatever that giving looks like. Would you have a heart for the house? Would you now say, I am claiming the inheritance. This is my house to steward. This is my life to steward. This is, I want to respond to God in my heart, in my ways, in, in the ways that he's asking me personally to do. And I want to be obedient. And so I asked the team to sing a song. I actually don't know which one they landed on, but it's about trust. It's not about giving and pour. It's about trust. And that's all I ask tonight. I think that's all that the Lord is asking of all of us. Would you stand to your feet? Would you just close your eyes? We're just going to have a reflective moment and then I'll pray. The team will sing and then we'll go. I'm not asking you to go line up at the info desk after this. I'm asking you to have a conversation with Jesus. Will you trust him? Will you trust him? You know, if there's anything I've pushed a lot over the years, it's just not being comfortable, sitting comfortable as a Christian, letting the world go by, letting the legacy go by, but actually being active, being a part of it. Don't live in the shallow waters where it's easy. Go into the deep, go into, go into the uncomfortable, go into the places where you have to trust God and let's go together. Holy Spirit, Tonight, we just trust you. Would you open your hands even, lift your hands to the sky, say, Jesus, I just, I need to trust you. If that's your prayer, just begin to pray it. Jesus, I want to trust you more. I am fearful when it comes to finances. I am scared about what's going on. Jesus, help me, guide me, mold me to trust you in your house. Lord, I just pray for a willingness in the house tonight. A spirit that says, Lord, I want you to guide. I want you to dictate. I want you to gauge. I want you to show me how to give, where to be generous, in what ways. Lord, I pray you would help us to check this heart tonight, our hearts, Lord. Reveal to us where we need to ask you, Lord, to do a work that only you can.